We're going to get back into worship here at the end. We're also going to take up the offering at the end. We've got something very special planned. So I'm going to encourage you today not to leave when I say amen, okay? I don't like the rest of that singing. Just stick around, okay? We've got some super great plans that you can only get right here, okay? You can't get it online. You only get it right here, okay? So I want to encourage you um, with that and, uh, and, and stick around for that. But I'm excited for today, man. I'm excited that God's alive, amen? amen. Whew, I can just go on all day, I think, and worship. What's it all for anyway if we're not worshiping Jesus, right? To hear me preach? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I just, I would rather hear from Jesus than any man any day. Amen. But I don't know if Jesus would say this to you. I told my wife that I have the body of a Greek God. I have to start laughing right now. She kindly replied, Buddha was not a Greek God. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a fun joke. <laughs> oh, man, I love these jokes. They're so great. Anyway, <clears throat> let's talk about worship today. I'm excited to get in today. Um, today I'm going to talk about something that's often ignored within the church because it's a hard topic to talk about, but how many of you guys know that we never shy away from it being difficult, right? I think, I think the word of God has every answer for us, amen? It, it is not just the instructions before leaving earth, it is for your day-to-day -day living, it is for us to grow, it is for us to mature, and if you're reading this word of God and you're not encountering Jesus, then you're really not reading the word with Jesus. I, I wanna encourage you to read the Bible to find Jesus, amen? <clears throat> so we're gonna talk about giving today. We're going to talk about prosperity because giving is a part of worship. Amen? Okay, I'm going to explain why. See, a lot of times when pastors say that, we're going to extend a time of worship right now in our giving, right? Usually we say that because we don't really know what else to say. Okay, it's newsflash, right? But, but it really is a time, it really is another aspect of worship. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Prosperity is all in the Bible, Yes. If we look at the word prosperity, it's everywhere. So if you have a problem with the word prosperity, okay, then get over it. Because <laughs> it's in the Bible, right? And I understand that many preachers, I understand that many ministries, many preachers have abused this topic, this word called prosperity, amen? Throughout all the history of our churches, throughout the history of, of charismatic or uh, just evangelicalism, <laughs> I said that right? Right? I know that this topic has been abused, um, um, been, been uh, manipulated to a lot of people. Um, they, they say things like, if you don't give, God's mad at you. Um, if, if you don't give, then you're going to go to hell. There's a special place for you. I mean, things like that. These are things that I've heard growing up, um, especially in my younger, younger years. Um, these are the things that, I, that it makes you feel worse about giving, okay? You give out of fear. And I want you to know that God doesn't want to give, wants you to give out of fear. He wants you to give out of love, out of honor. It's just, it's the same thing with serving God. God doesn't want you to worship him and serve him out of fear, okay? However, there is the fear of the Lord, amen? All right, let, let, let's just all say this again. God is good and he's in a good mood, okay? He's in a good mood, all right? And, 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 and there, isn't, there shouldn't be any fear when it comes to this Christian walk with God. But let me ask you these questions here. Do you believe that God wants you to prosper? Just raise your hand and say amen if you believe that God wants you to prosper. 
right? Because he wants you to live in prosperity. He wants you to prosper. Do you believe that God wants you to live in abundance so that you'll be able to pour out without regret? Yeah? Wouldn't it be awesome just to write people's mortgages off? I don't know about that, Pastor Jake. <laughs> hey, I'm not saying amen to that one. Hey. <laughs> but wouldn't it be great to know that finances don't have to hold you down and hold you back from pursuing and advancing the kingdom of God? Wouldn't it be good to have that? Just to know that if you write it, I mean, who writes checks anymore? Just if you Venmo somebody, or is that what the kids are doing now? Right? If you cash app somebody, if you Apple pay somebody, or whatever the kids, you don't have to worry about, oh, I don't know if we're going to have that in the account or not. No, look, God wants to abundantly bless you so you can be a blessing to others. That's what it comes down to, guys. See, most of the time, the reason why a lot of Christians don't believe that is because it's a mindset. And that mindset, if it's not aligned by the word of God, will almost always lead to a mindset of poverty and lack. Almost always lead to a mindset of poverty and lack. Now, if you're a guest with us here this morning, you have to understand something about it. We rarely talk about this. Because we understand culturally that the church, uh, that people in the, in the world believe that churches are only out for your money. <laughs> That's not true. It's not true. But you have to understand our heart when it comes to this. See, I personally believe that God wants his children to prosper, to have more than enough to be able to be a blessing to the people around us, amen? And the, one of the ways that we get to do that here and express that here within our church is through a, through a giving platform called Kingdom Builders, okay? I'm gonna talk about tithe and I'm gonna talk about offering and what these two things mean here this morning as we go into another set of worship, all right? But I wanna talk to you just real briefly about Kingdom Builders, okay? Kingdom Builders is what we give, what we chose to give at, as a church outside, above and beyond our normal 10% tithe and offering, our tithe to the local church. We say, I think I can give this. It's the equivalent, if you've been in church stream for a long time, you would know that you have a, a missionary giving. Okay, right now on this back wall right over here, you'll see it when you walk out. It's called Kingdom Builder Wall. We support upwards to about 20 to 30 missionaries. We support community projects. We support our next gen ministries, meaning this, our next um, phase of young people, get them to get to go to camps, help them to get to go to conventions, to be introduced. Right now, um, 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 Nate, are you taking DSOM classes? DSOM, District School of Ministry classes. Right now, we currently have about three or four people that are interested in being in ministry. Right, so they're taking district school and ministry classes through the Assemblies of God. Just really great things that are happening all because we get to give outside of what we should give to the local church anyway. One of the greatest things that we do that a lot of people don't know is instead of saying, oh, cops are this and police officers are this and law enforcement is that, we decided to invest into our law enforcement so that way we can help change anything needs to change by doing adopt a cop. You can look up here at this picture. Right now, we, we support these uh, police officers and these law enforcement here to take jujitsu so that is their first line of defense and offense rather than pulling out a gun. That's pretty amazing. 
right? So we adopt these police officers and we say, hey, we, and, and there's more to come. There's a line of people that are just waiting to, to, to be the best that they can be to make sure that our, that, our, that our cities, our communities are taken care of without using excessive force, but using some kind of force. And this is just one way that we get to invest back into our community. April, um, how, many, how much money do we give to this Adopt-A-Cop a year? 1200 Yeah, $1,200 a year is what we do for that. And that's because some people in this house said, you know what, I see the value of investing into kingdom builders above and beyond. This is called the abundance of where God wants us to live. Okay, so when you give above and beyond your tithe to something like kingdom builders, what you're doing is you're agreeing with what God says over you to be abundant so you can be a blessing. But this isn't about kingdom builders today. This is about our heart connected to giving. See, people can say they love God all day long, but what giving does a heart of giving, a heart of gratitude and giving is it proves where our heart is. Because the Bible says this in Matthew chapter six, verse 21, where your treasure is, there is your heart. I paraphrase that. Where your treasure is, there is your heart. Let me flip that. Where your heart is, there is your treasure. If God were to go down the ledger book of your checking of our finances right now, what would be reflective of God's heart? Just something just to think about when you're tossing this out there. So what does this have to do with worship? Well, it means everything with worship. Matthew chapter six, verse 24, out of the New American Standard Version says this, no one can serve, someone say serve. That word serve there means to yield in obedience, to obey, to serve well. It also means in the essence of worship. So no one, and let me say what this really is saying, no one can yield in obedience. Nobody can obey. Nobody can serve well. No one can truly worship two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Well, Pastor Jake, that's that weird version. Okay, well, let's go to everyone's favorite version, the King James. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else, or else, he will hold on to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Oh, that's really good. That makes me feel bad, feel weird. Maybe make it softer. Okay, so let's read it out of the Passion Translation for those of you who like allegory. How could you worship two gods at the same time? You have to hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't worship the true God while enslaved to the God of money. Oh, that's so good, isn't it? See, in biblical culture, the word mammon, that word mammon there, often carried a negative connotation. It was sometimes used to describe all lusts and excesses, gluttony, greed, and dishonest worldly gain. That's what that word mammon means. So when Jesus is saying here in, in, in this, in the gospel here, he's saying, you can't serve greed. You can't serve lust. You can't serve gluttony. You can't serve a dishonesty with your finances. 
Ultimately, mammon described, as described in this portion of scripture, is an idol of materialism, which many trusted as a foundation for their world and their philosophy during the time when Jesus said this. See, worship of mammon can show up in many ways. It isn't always through a continual lust for more money. Understand this. Now I can stop right here and say, you know, that it's the love of money. Okay, you guys know where I'm going with this. It's okay to have finances. It's okay to desire those kinds of things. But it's when those things and the finances have our heart more than God having our heart. That's when it becomes unbalanced in our walk with him. See, when we envy others' wealth, are anxious over potentially unmet needs, disobey God's directives about the use of wealth, or fail to trust God's love and faithfulness, our thinking is out of balance concerning this, call, this thing called material wealth. When we're constantly thinking about this, so Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10, you'll see the reference up here on the screen. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10 says this, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money. <laughs> Isn't that great? He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with its income. This too is vanity. This too is vanity. And how many of you guys believe that in this culture right now, we can see this rampant everywhere? Right? We can see it rampant everywhere. So you and I can only worship one God. We can only worship one God. We can't worship our money, okay? Meaning this, we can't allow us to serve our finances. We can't obey what our finances say. We cannot live in this place where we're driven by what the finances in our life say. But we have to worship God by faith. We have to love him. We have to walk with him. We have to talk with him. We have to worship him. We have to give through him by faith. And I believe this with all of my heart, that everything is a heart issue to God. Everything that we do in our lives is a heart issue to God. It all comes back down to our heart to him. See, we can choose mammon, this thing called the influence of money, the delusion of peace, Mammon brings a delusion of peace, stability, and foundation. Or we can choose to worship God, the one who is peace, the one who is stability, and the one who is foundation. Amen? Amen. See, I know this is difficult. I know sometimes we get a little, mm, when we start talking about money, right, and our finances. But let me just suggest something here this morning to you. That if it wasn't for Jesus and God, you wouldn't have any finances to ever live on anyway. Amen? It all belongs to him anyway, right? It all belongs to him anyway. So let's take our finances as, as an example. When it comes to finances, what is our world talking about mostly right now? This recession, right? It's almost like we've taken these big words and we've elevated them against God. We've lifted them up higher. And I don't know what your Ten Commandments say, but my Ten Commandments say, you shall have no other gods before you. And so what we've done is we've taken this word recession. We've taken this word depression. We've taken this word lack. We've taken this word whatever the case is. Oh, no, everyone get ready because it's about to hit the fan. We're all going to experience this great price. Everything, gas is going to skyrocket high. This is going to happen here. This is going to happen here. And we've elevated that above God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to trust.
trust in what the world says about what God can do. I don't want to trust God. I know there's reality. I know there's things that are going to happen. And granted, we may be headed into the biggest recession, as they say, in the world has ever experienced before. But I want you to know, greater is he who lives in me than he that is in this world. And we have to trust God with our finances. Just because this is happening, does that mean we're not going to give anymore? No. It should not mean that. It should mean, God, I'm going to invest in the kingdom work even more. Because where my treasure is, there's my heart. I want to keep my eyes on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. Amen? Amen. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. I love that word author. I love that word author. For those of you who don't know, I'm kind of writing a little small devotional book right now. It's not easy. Because I love to misspell words. <laughs> I'm hoping to get this thing released here by the end of the year, before Christmas time. <clears throat> but I love that word author. Here's why I like it. Because author means journey. He's a continual writer of our faith. He's the one that is writing every page of your life right now. He's the author, but not just of your life. He's the author of your faith. But the cool thing about God is that he's the author with our faith. We get to partner with that faith. We get to partner with the author of that faith. And then he writes the pages. And so how does he write the pages? Well, what he does, a lot of the times in your, in your novel that he's writing about your life, there's certain opportunities and circumstances that he's writing down there to see where we're going to respond in faith. Because he's the author of our faith. You guys catching what I'm, what I'm saying? Okay, he's writing certain things right now. You may not, you may not always like it. You may, we, we may not always enjoy what's happening. We may not even know the answers to what's going on, but make no mistake about it that he is authoring our novel right now upon our hearts. And we have to choose to trust the author so that way our faith is written down on these pages of our life. That's a good word. But the thing that's also cool about it, not only is he the author of my faith, He's also the finisher of my faith. He gets the final say. He gets the final say. And I don't know about you, but he's not gonna let his son, he's not gonna let his daughter run dry ever. 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 No matter what come down to the pike, no matter what's happening right now. One of the coolest, like I said, it may not be what you like. It may not, oh God. God, we just pray for abundance for prime rib steak right now, Lord. <laughs> oh, Jesus, you're travailing in intercession, right, for that brand new Lamborghini. Oh, God, you promised me the best car in the world. Not Lamborghini. We don't want one of those. Jesus, oh, no. One of the coolest stories that I ever heard was at the church, underground church in Afghanistan when all the stuff happened over there. This is from Robbie Dawkins two years ago. He said that the church literally had to hide under the houses because, the, because um, um, the enemy was coming to the doorsteps. ISIS. Knocking on their doors, sometimes just even breaking in. Most of the time just breaking in. 
looking for believers to behead right on the street. Yeah, these are the things that we don't hear about on the news, right? So what happened? The church became underground, literally became underground. They began to dig holes under the, underneath their houses. And this is the cool story. See, he's the God of abundance to those who have faith in him, no matter what's happening. Some of these people were under the ground, saw a root coming down. They looked it up. They cut it, they cooked it, they ate it. That was the only source of nutrition that they had. The next day they went back and the root was full grown again. They cut it, they cooked it, they ate it as the only nutrition they had. Went back the next day, root was full grown again. Come on, that doesn't happen without God's abundance. It may come in the form of a root, it may come in the form of manna, it may come in the form of pigeons, it may come in the form of whatever, whatever the Israelites experienced in that day, but make no mistake about it that he is the God of abundance and he will never leave us nor forsake us, but he will be with us always if we trust in our God. Amen? So again, what does this have to do with worship? Well, if he has your heart, then he has your treasure. It all comes down to us and our heart and our giving to him. So how can we assure that he has our heart? Well, I suggest to you this morning by giving to him in faith, giving him finances. See, the thing about God and finances is that, that they both feel the same. They both give us stability. They both give us foundation. But the difference is this, is that with God, right, all things are gonna be okay. With your finances, okay, with your finances and the things that we trust in financially, that's all gonna burn up by, by, by the fire. It's already said in the word of God. If you store that up, it's gonna be burned by the fire. I don't know about you, but I wanna put my faith and hope and trust in God himself. Amen? The prophet Malachi in the Old Testament, as we turn here to Malachi chapter three, verses eight through 12, you can go there. Malachi chapter three, verses eight through 12. This is the, these are the verses that everyone uses for giving. But I'm gonna add a little context to what's going on. Okay? The prophet Malachi, Malachi was a prophet in the Old Testament. He was giving messages to the Israel people, warning them because they had been turning from God. So all this time, I want you to picture this with me. Again, it's like the Israelites never learned, right? They would come back to God. They would repent. They'd come back to God. And then God didn't perform the way that they wanted him to, so they would turn away from God. It happened on Mount Sinai. Which, by the way, did everybody hear the new Ten Commandments that are happening right now in Mount Sinai? Weird thing, right? All about this global climate business. Super weird. All the religious leaders from all over the world got together and are developing a new Ten Commandments. Can we say end times? Yeah. Right? It happened on that day. The Israelites said, oh, Moses left. God's not with us. Boom. Golden calves. They worship the idols. All throughout the history of the Israelites, this was kind of the, the, the circle pattern. They had victories, and then they turned away from God. They had victories, and they turned away from God. They had victories, and they turned away from God, saying that God's not there. So here's Malachi. And he's giving these messages to the Israelites, warning them. Because again, they have been turning from God. They've been not trusting God. They've been doubting God. Because Israel was not seeing, listen to this, Israel was not seeing the blessings they were seeing before. So they turned their back on God as if God withheld their blessings and abundance. Now, the Israelites in that day turned from God complaining that he is no longer there. He's no longer there. They turned from obeying God and obedience to him 
Doesn't that sound a little bit like us sometimes? When we don't see God active in our lives, when he's not showing up the way that we want him to show up, then we have excuses and reasons and complaints against God. And we say, God, you're not here. God, you didn't answer my prayer here. God, you didn't do this here. God, you didn't do that there. So you must be not listening to me. I feel far away from you, God, so therefore I'm going to take my life into my own hands and become the author of my own life. Instead of God being the author and the finisher of your faith. So we say, I am this. And so now we take charge, and now we think that we're better, and we think that we have better answers than God because God's not there. I want you to know that he's never left you nor forsaken you. But sometimes God goes like this. He backs away to see how you're going to respond. How are you going to respond when things don't seem like they're going the way that you think they should go? How are we going to respond if... This recession does happen. What are we going to do? God, you're not here. Look at this. Look what's happening in our world. You must be gone. No, God just went like this. And he's going, hmm, let's see how the church, let's see how the church, a.k.a. called the remnant, let's see how the church, the church responds to what's happening right now in the world. How else do you think the separation between sheep and goats is going to take place? It's by our hearts connected to him. So here's Malachi. Malachi in verse chapter three. This is a prophetic warning to Malachi or to the Israelites. And he says this, verse eight. Will a man rob God? Now I want you to picture that this is Malachi prophesying to the Israelite people. He says, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. First of all, let me just stop right there. I'm gonna talk about this here in a second, but rob God. Isn't that crazy to think that we can rob God? <laughs> well, the man robbed God, yet you are robbing me, the Lord says. But you say, how have we robbed God? Malachi says, in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. <clears throat> Isn't that something? That we can literally rob God's blessing from a nation if the church, the people of God, as represented here, do not continue to give by faith. Verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, a.k.a. the church. Where you are fed from, is your storehouse. Does everybody understand that? Where you are fed from, spiritually, supernaturally, where you get to be a part of the community of the believers, wherever that is. Okay, it's so interesting to me that so many people will support other TV, internet ministries, but they can't support their own local church. Well, brother, I give to, I give to XYZ. I give to that. Oh, I really can't, you know, God, yeah, I just really can't give to the church. You know, I've just, I just don't have enough. No, 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 no. You have misaligned finances. You have misaligned priorities in your heart. How can a man rob God by not giving to the storehouse? Verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Then 
I will rebuke the devourer for you so that he will not destroy the fruits of the ground. This is really important because during that time, there was stuff happening because the Israelites turned away from God. Stuff was taking place. I rebuke the devourer for you so that he will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will, I, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Let me just pause right here and make a quick little commercial. January 11th, we're starting a finance class taught by Tom, and I want you all to participate in that on Wednesday nights. Okay? It's going to be about investments. It's going to be very practical. Right, Tom? It's going to be very practical. Hopefully, it'll be very practical. Right? And it's going to be a great, great, great time. So is it possible to rob God as I get ready to close? Yes, it's possible to rob God by not living faithfully to his word and actually giving from your heart. See, I know most people don't want to hear this. However, this is from the Lord. Hear me. This is from God. If you see the devourer in your life, just take a quick little snapshot of your life. If you see the, the devourer in your life, if you seem active in your life, I encourage you to check your heart to see if you are serving mammon or if you're serving God. Again, because where your heart is, there's your treasure because everything is a heart issue to God. And I love what Malachi says. He says, test me, bring your whole tithe into the storehouse. Let me encourage you, if you've never given before, try it. Try it. Test God. Test God. Test him. Because the word of God is true. Amen? The word of God is true. And he says, man, if you just test me in this, if you it's the only time that God says to test me. If you just test me in this, God says to you, I'm gonna pour out heaven all over your life. I'm going to open the gates. I'm going to open the windows of heaven and all blessings are going to flow. Abundance, prosperity, all those things are going to flow right to you. Why? Because you're actually putting some faith to your giving. You're putting some faith to your giving. But most people aren't willing to test God in this. Why? Because of pride. Things like this pop up in our minds. No one's going to tell me to do with my hard-earned money. That pastor up there isn't going to tell me nothing. Mm -mm -mm. Three snaps and a Z full mation. Pride. It's pride. It's called pride. It's called pride. That's why God has to say, hey, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. Just try it. Just try it and see what I won't do for you. Now we can go ahead and feel that way. Because the opposite is true. If we don't give, and if we don't give from our heart, the windows of God's blessings will be closed over your life. So you get to choose. Which one do you want? Do you want God's windows blessings over your life? That's not a trick question. Yes. Okay? I don't want them closed over my life. I want them open. Amen? So test God. Try it. Give it a shot. Giving always provides worship. Giving always, let me say that again. Giving always proves worship. Giving always proves the worship in our heart. And then I'm gonna be done with say quick, three quick things about tithing. 
Tithing is an act of worship. It is an expression of the heart that we trust God with our finances, even if the numbers don't make sense. Even if they don't make sense. We give God, listen to this, the first fruits, the best off the top that we have set aside to give. And it doesn't matter the ebbs and flows of our personal finances. I know God provides for my needs as he has proven faithful time and time again. And I choose to trust him with my finances. Let me tell you, when I don't have, I tithe. What's the tithe? It's simply 10% of our income, of what you get in your check. 10%, dang, that's a lot of money. Look, that's the standard. <laughs> I actually got convicted one time. I was out preaching in Des Moines, Iowa this last summer. And, and for some reason, I was talking about giving for some reason. I said, look, if you can't give 10%, then give five or give three. Just let faith be attached to that. And, 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 and I want to encourage you with that to test God and try God in there. But the pastor got up after me and says, no, we don't do that three or 5%. The Bible says 10. So if you're not going to give 10, then you're not giving with your heart. I thought, oh, Jesus, help me, Lord. Help me in my unbelief. Come on, somebody. Have you ever been there before? Tell me my unbelief. Tithing is simply 10%. That's biblical tithe. Now, I can't get into all the things about tithing. It's a whole nother message. If you, want, if you want to listen to something like that, go online, look at Pastor Steve's message on our, on our website. It's a great message about God's economy. Tithing. So what is tithing? Again, it's 10%. You can start that little music back there with that thing. So why do we tithe? Number one, and I'm going to rocket fire through these. Number one, come on, band, come on up here, guys. Why do we tithe? Number one, it's the act of obedience. God clearly displays in his written word that we are to honor him with the first fruits of our money. And I would extend this definition, this definition to also include our time and our resources. According to your dictionary, first fruits, first fruits is defined as the first results, products, or profits of an undertaking. That is what a first fruits mean. Proverbs chapter three, verses nine through 10. You don't have to put that scripture verse up there. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. Honor God with your tithe of all your crops, then your barns, you'll be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. So why do we tithe? Number one, it's an act of obedience. Number two, it's an act of worship. Now tithing is not just as simple as it may appear. God's desire is not for every Christian just to give 10% of their earnings and check it off their to-do list. He wants our heart to be in the right place. In essence, tithing is an act of worship. It's an act of gratitude. It's an act of thanksgiving unto the Lord. And the last one, why, do, why, wouldn't, why wouldn't we tithe? Let me ask that again. Why wouldn't we tithe? God is the provider of everything, amen? And his word says, and I'll supply all your needs. Why wouldn't we try tithing? Why wouldn't we try to give to the Lord? Sometimes I think tithing, when challenged with this kind of message, and we don't try it, it's because we really don't trust God. Like we say we trust God. I wanna encourage you with that. So let me ask you this. So what is holding us back from honoring God with our money? What's holding us back from honoring God with our time? What's, honoring, what's holding us back from honoring God with our resources? Last verse and then I'm done. 
Psalms chapter 24, verse one says this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Everything belongs to him anyway, amen? amen. Everything belongs to him anyway. I'm gonna ask Pastor Steve to come up and he's gonna share a little thing and we're gonna go right into worship. Praise God. In Romans chapter 10, verse 10, it says, for with the heart, one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made. With the heart, you believe and with your mouth, you make a confession of what you believe. In the kingdom of God, there's real power in the speaking of the word. When something is gonna come about in scripture, that word is spoken, it goes forth. When God created the heavens and the earth, he spoke forth words, and from those words, things came into being. Amen? Amen? I'm, I, I, there's kind of a, always in messages like this, there's kind of a feeling like some people think that we're kind of tricking them into something or something. I'm not, I'm not trying to trick you or anything like that. But what we're gonna do next is we're gonna make a confession. And this confession that we're gonna make, it's gonna be put up on the screen up there. I've got it here so I can read it. We're gonna all say it together. And there's nothing tricky about it. It's just a confession of what we believe and what we trust in God concerning provision, concerning his supply to our needs. So I'm gonna have you stand up. And how's that gonna be put up there? Why don't you flash, okay. So let me just assure you again, there's nothing in here that, that you're signing or you're giving us your children or anything like that, okay? These are declarations of trust and faith in God for his provision into our lives. So what I'm gonna ask you, I tried to warm you up by asking you for an amen and it didn't work very good. So what I'm gonna ask you to do is I'm gonna ask you to say these things out loud, okay? And um, as loud as, as you dare say them, okay? They're declarations. And what this is an opportunity for, let me just take a second. What this is an opportunity for is for those of you who, this was a boring sermon because you understand tithing and you give regularly and that's a part of your life. Uh, you're just gonna speak this out of your heart. Some of you, you're, you're struggling in your finances these last three two, three years, COVID and all of that have been a challenge for you financially. This can be an opportunity to break through into a new level and a new place of trust and faith and provision from God. And so if you're not speaking this out of routine, speak it out of, Lord, I want this. Lord, I need this breakthrough, okay? I think those two things ought to cover it. So anyway, I'm gonna go through this. This is a giving declaration. Okay, what's it start with? Okay, same thing I have on here. Are you ready? I declare that what I have to give matters. From the smallest to the largest gift available, it matters because I matter to God. Today, I am giving joyfully, knowing full well that God will supply my needs according to his riches and glory. There is absolutely no lack when it comes to Christ because he is abundant in all he does. My treasure is his because my heart is his. 
So today, I align myself with his heart. I am completely his, and he is completely mine, and these gifts will go toward advancing the kingdom of God in my home, family, community, city, state, and nation. In Jesus' name. Now, can you say amen? Amen. 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 Be seated. Ushers, come on up. Pass those buckets around. Embrace this. Believe this. Walk in new provisions.